Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will speak about the biblical phrase, let there be. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from yesterday's message. It's God's. It's all God's. And that's what this is saying in 2 Corinthians 5.18. All things are of God. All things come from God. Who has reconciled us to himself? He made us friends by Jesus Christ, by the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross, God wrapped up this wonderful gift, wonderful present of reconciliation. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's study from the Bible. That's it. He says, and, and I'm just going to quote this verse, 1 John 5:11. this is the record God hath given to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. Now, now, since we're in 2 Corinthians, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Here, Paul says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, why doesn't God want us to give grudgingly? It's like, you know, I don't know if I have to. Oh, man. Another message on giving, all right. Uh, If I have, no, God doesn't want that. God doesn't want that. Why does he want us to be this free giver, cheerful giver? Oh, sure. Why? Because he is. is. Because that's who God is. Because he is. God is a giver. He wants us to be a giver. God loves to give. He wants us to love to give. What's the greatest gift? What's the unspeakable gift? His son. His son, his son, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And thanks be unto God in 2 Corinthians 9.15 for his unspeakable gift. You can't even talk about it, it's so wonderful. He says, now, let's turn back to, uh, to uh, Genesis. That's where we were, wasn't it? All right, All right. <laughs> Genesis. So now, we've seen that he solved the problem of the void. He solved the problem of the no value when man was created, who could be the object of his giving to. Marvelous. And then it, now he goes, he solves the problem of darkness. He proceeds to correct this, and he creates light. He plans, he executes. He assesses, he plans, he executes. He assessed the problem, as we said. And when he saw the problem, he got a vision. God got a vision. He says, he says, let there be, stop, don't miss that, it's two parts of verse three, let there be light, stop, and there was light, two separate parts, let there be light, separate, and there was light, don't miss it, that's a huge division there, the certainty of what he says was, was you have assurance of that because he said it, but when he said let there be, it was like in his mind, he said, oh, I got a great vision Light. You can see God doing this. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to dispel the darkness. It's going to show the beauty of everything. This is in his mind. Vision. Our God is a God of vision. God is a God of vision or dream, dreams or hopes. That's God. He has a vision for man to be happy even after he sinned. He has a vision for that. Uh, there's a wonderful passage here, and I'm just going to read it to you. You can write it down. Zechariah 8, 1 through 5. 
I just want to read this to you. This is God's vision for Israel. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth. He's got a vision for Jerusalem. It's going to be a city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord's host, the holy mountain, thus saith the Lord of hosts, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem. God says, I can see it now. This city, this street's going to have, I look down these streets, I see old men and old women, happy, talking in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with a staff in his, in his hand for very old, even though they're hobbling around, he says, it's great. God says, it's wonderful, because they're all together. They're all happy. And then he says this, and the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. <laughs> so you think the old people are going to say, get out of here. <laughs> so, they're going to love it. It's a, it's a, it's a vision of, be- of happiness and beauty. And God said, this is what's going to be. It's not going to be a place of suicide bombers. It's not going to be a place of, of gay pride parades of perverseness. It's going to be a wonderful place. And the old people are going to be respected and they're going to be telling their stories and young people are going to be sitting around listening and saying, that's great. And they're going to be playing in the streets and the old people are going to love the young people and all. That's going to the vision that God has. God has a vision. He wants to make man happy. He says in Jeremiah 29, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil to give you an expected end. That's what he says. Isn't that something? Now, Proverbs 29, 18. Proverbs 29, 18. We're talking about vision. Proverbs 29, 18. We're talking about that God is a God of vision. So should we be too. Now, Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no what? Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, what happens to the people? They perish. The people perish with no vision. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. We've got to be like God. We've got to have a vision. We've got to have a dream. We've got to have a hope. You know, you find this among cancer patients. When they lose the will to live, they don't live anymore. Because, but, but this is a vision that God wants us to have. He wants us to have this vision for the lost also. That's the privilege that we have also is to hope for others. Now I'm going to tell you. Last Sunday, Russ Plowman, he had this vision for his friend Denny who he's known for 35 years. And Russ had the vision, what? That Denny would come out of darkness into the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would be saved from his sins. Russ had that vision for Denny. So Russ Russ continually asked Denny, and Denny said, no, no, no. But Russ didn't give up his vision because Russ could see Denny saved because that's the power of hope. That's the power of a dream. That's the power of a vision. He didn't walk around and say, well, you know, okay, you don't want God. Well, all right, you get what you deserve. He didn't do that. He continued to hope against obstacles. Russ did. And so, and then, then Denny developed colon cancer, and Russ called him up, and he said, Denny, are you ready now to make peace with Christ? That's the way he put it. Are you ready now to make peace with Christ? And he did. And he went over there 35 years. And he went over there to Kaiser Hospital last Sunday into the ICU room, ICU room. And he brought Denny to the Lord Jesus Christ. He brought him out of darkness 
So God to take him out of darkness into the light of salvation. And he, he and, and because the vision he never gave up, he could see Denny walking into the gates of heaven and being checked. Oh yeah, Denny's name right here in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yep, he called on the Lord to be saved. Come in. Full welcome. Full welcome. He could see all that. He could see him being freed from the burden of his sins and, from, and not dying in his sins. That was Russ's vision. And because he had a vision, who didn't perish? Denny. Without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, without Russ's vision, Denny would have perished. But Russ had a vision. And that's what he said. And then it's the second part of that verse in Proverbs says, And happy is he that keepeth the law. And he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Keepeth the law. What law? If keepeth means here. Happy is he that hears the law. What did he hear? Russ heard the law. Go ye therefore into all the world. Teach, teach all nations. Baptizing them. Bring them out. He heard that. He knew that God had commanded that. He knew the Lord Jesus Christ had commanded that. He heard that. And so therefore, Russ is happy. I think he's happy. He looks happy. Was happy last weekend when I saw him. Anyway, now we're talking about vision. God said, let there be. And then there was light. Let there be light, and there was light. Now, everything we're reading about in Genesis 1 happened right away. Let there be, there was. Let there be, there was, in the space of six days. You didn't have to wait very long, except for earth and heaven. Had to wait a little bit until it got finished. But within six days, it was all done. It was let there be. But you know what? Could take some time. Could be some time between that first part and that second part. It wasn't in Genesis 1, but there was times when God said, let there be, then there was a little bit of time before the and there was. Can you think of some examples of, of people in the scripture where, where they knew that God had said, let there be, and for them it came, and there will be. Okay, good example, Abraham. Abraham had to exercise that a lot, that particular thing. Gave him the promised land, what else? did it was, it, it, He didn't get it right away. Uh, descended, a son, Promised him a son. That didn't come right away. You're going to have a lot of sands on the seashore, stars of the sky. That's like the number of your uh, progeny. Really? I don't even have a son. (laughs) And um, Joseph. Joseph. What was the vision? God said, let Joseph be what? Head over all. Let let, let the family bow down to him. Let the family bow down to him. He's going to be the ruler. That was the let there be. Just didn't seem that way when he was a prisoner in the stocks down there in Egypt, lowest of the low. But Joseph held on to, and there will be. Because he, he knew God said, let there be. It didn't come yet, but it says, and there will be. Who else? Moses, 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 yes, Moses. He, he, it came into his heart, right, to save and deliver his own people, the Israelite people. And, and, uh, and he went about but. And so he heard saying, let Moses be the deliverer of the Jewish people out of Egypt. Just didn't seem that way when he was on the backside of some, of some desert struggling to find a few blades of something green for his sheep to eat. Didn't seem that way. But who else? David. David. Let David what? Be king over Israel. Didn't seem that way when he was running around the caves of En Gedi for his life, sleeping in... in, in Anyway, didn't seem that way. 
Didn't seem that way when the javelin got thrown to him and he almost got nailed to the wall. Didn't seem that way when he feigned to be a madman, letting spittle run all over him on the gates of of, uh, Gath. Didn't seem that way. But he trusted that it would be. Who else? The disciples, right, the disciples. You're going to turn the world upside down and go preach the gospel. And anyway, and also other things that were said to him. You will rule. Just didn't seem that way. Many, many, many places in the scripture. Samson, and let Samson free them from the Philistines. Didn't seem that way with his eyes gouged out as a circus attraction. And, and, uh, and how about uh, Esther, and let Esther deliver the people. Didn't seem that way when she hadn't been called into the king for a year. And let the children of Israel depart out of Egypt. Didn't seem that way when there was a planned uh, final solution to exterminate them and they were slaves down there. And so many examples that we can think of in the scriptures. And so when a person gets the let there be, and there is a delay, and it becomes a there will be, then that person, if he believes God, is doing what? That's faith. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. It didn't take any faith in Genesis 1 because it was a let there be and there was. But when there's a let there be and there will be, that's faith. And we have a very convenient chapter. What is it? That lists all these people who who were in that situation. Hebrews 11, go through it sometime and ask yourself the question, what did they hear, let there be, and what did they have to wait for, and how long did they have to wait? And you get these, you get these one right after the other, let there be, and there will be, let there be, and there will be, and so forth. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. Because that's, that, that, that's putting confidence in God. That's believing, like we said last time, the centurion, oh, I haven't found such great faith. Because he believed Genesis 1. When we believe Genesis 1, then we'll know what God says, let there be, and we will hold to that even though it becomes, and there will be. There will be. Let there be, God could say this, let there be an escape from the wrath of God. Let there be a perfect sacrifice presented to man. Let there be that sacrifice be my son. Let there be my, all the sins of mankind put on my son. Let there, be the, let there be my sons killed, my son killed for the sins of all the world. Let there be many people from the east and the west to sit down with Abraham. Let there be floods of people coming into the gates of heaven, fully adopted into God's family called sons of God, living forever with eternal life used by God on this life also and throughout eternity. Let there be that. And for the most part, for many, in many of those cases there, it's a, and there will be, and there will be. But that's our God. He has a God of vision. He is the God of let there be. And we, like Russ, our job is to also say, let there be this my neighbor become a child of God. And believe God for that. Because he loves that. That's who he is. He loves that. And we see that from Genesis 1. Let's pray together. Father, many words this morning. Lord, but one prayer. Make us to be like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, today you talked about vision. And so many people today just don't have a vision for their lives. What would you say to them? And where do they really begin? Well, the, there's vision has a source. It's one source. It's very, very simple. God. 
Without God, there's no vision. With God, there is vision. You know, it's very interesting because when you look at the, really the beginning of the Jewish people and the person of Abraham in Genesis 15.1, God said to Abraham in a vision, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. You know, what, what, what the problem with having vision today is that people feel as though they're being attacked and they don't have any good prospects on the horizon. And here, God told Abraham, as far as the issue of being attacked, I'm your shield. As far as the issues of good prospects in the future, I am your exceeding great reward. What a statement that God would say that he himself personally is going to be the shield for Abraham, that he himself personally is going to be the exceeding great reward for Abraham. But that's what he said. And so this is vision. So Abraham, he rises up from this and he says, as he looks, as he hears this and he says, oh, he says, I've got vision in life now because now I know God. So the question is, Where do they begin? Where does a person begin who doesn't have vision? With God. They begin with starting a life with God by saying and recognizing themselves. They say, I have not known God. I've been an alien from God. I've been in darkness as far as God is concerned. God is not my friend, and I'm going to start with God. And because I can see so clearly in the Bible and recognize and believe that God is a God of love, that God is extending his hand out to me, that God wants to have friendship with me. Therefore, I rise up from that to that occasion and I say, I will be a friend of God. And as we, as you go into the Bible and as you read it more and more, the vision comes out of the Bible As God begins to speak through the words of the Bible and you begin to hear them in your heart and to realize God is speaking to me and he's saying to me, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be an enemy to your enemies and I'm going to be a friend to your friends. That's what he said about Israel. I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him who curses thee. And then he says, and furthermore, if you serve me and even if you have to sacrifice some things in your life, you have given up nothing compared to what I will make you gain in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the beginning to the vision become, comes with the beginning of a life with God. Speaking of hope and vision, I've always been impressed that the national anthem for the state of Israel is Hatikva, or the hope. What is the hope for Israel, especially in these tumultuous times when they're being surrounded by all enemies and dangerous things are happening to their people and their country. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at the history of the Jewish people, it's a history of persecutions. It's a history of being chased. It's a history of diasporas. It's a history of being run out of this country and that country and this country. And that's what gave birth to the state of Israel. Who do we thank for the birth of the state of Israel? Adolf Hitler. Because before his time, when Herzl was going around in the in the end of the 18, uh, 1800s, beginning of the 1900s, and talking about Zionism. He was not popular. But as the persecution, which eventually uh, culminated in the Holocaust and World War II, got to really get pick up, there was a real resurgence, and that's what caused the state of Israel to come about. And of course, as you said, the 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 underlying 
uh, desire within the state of Israel is the hope, the hope, Hatikva, and this hope. And, and, and so the, it's always been among the Jewish people hope for the future. There's always been. It may be difficult now, but it will surely be better tomorrow. There will be a tomorrow. It'll be brighter. It'll be better. It's a very good question when you ask the question, exactly what is that hope? What is the Hatikva? What is the hope for Israel? You know, you can look at Israel and you say, well, you know, their scientific prowess there, there, the, 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 so many Nobel Prize winners were were Jewish. Is that their hope? Not really. Or their ability in business, or the ability in in the arts and so forth. Is that their hope? Not really. Because the greatest, greatest, greatest enemy that we face as men is the enemy of death, the enemy of eternal darkness the enemy of eternal suffering, the enemy of hell. And the, therefore, the greatest hope is the rescue from death, the rescue from hell, the rescue from darkness. So what is the hope for Israel? It's God. That's why David said in Psalm 115, 9, O Israel, trust in the Lord, for he is their help and their shield. So what David is saying here is he's saying, Israel, God, turn yourself Godward. Turn yourself to trust Godward. Turn yourself to the God who promises to be the plague to death, to be the destroyer to destruction, to be the one who will give you, as a gift, eternal life. Turn to that one. That's your hope. And that's what God is saying to Israel, and that's the true hope of Israel. And who is this God? Is just a nebulous term, God? Everybody says, God, God, God. Who is God? No, 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 no. This God is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the help for Israel. He is the shield for Israel. He is the hope for Israel. So we could just as soon take this verse in Psalm 115.9 and say, O Israel, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, for the Lord Jesus Christ is your help, and the Lord Jesus Christ is your shield. And so that's the hope for Israel. And so that's why we as believers spend so much time to bring to the Jewish people their hope. Their hope that their country has been formed on desiring. Their hope that down through the centuries they have cried out for. Their hope, their hope is in the Lord. And not just any Lord, but the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the future for Israel and is so well portrayed in the book of Zechariah where it speaks about a nation that turns to God Another place that says the nation will be born in a day. In Ezekiel, it talks about dry bones living. And this is the hope of Israel, is when they turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, you and you alone are God, and you are our Savior. And although we have rejected you 
and turned away from you. Now we turn to you with all of our heart because you are our only hope and we love you, cling to you, need you so much. Oh, come and come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That's the hope for Israel, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as Tom Cantor teaches us from the Bible out of Exodus chapter 3 with a new lesson that will help strengthen our friendship with God. Now, do you have a Jewish friend or know of a Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel? Would you like to give them a gospel gift directly or have one sent to them? You can contact us directly by phone and we can help you to do that. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051 and we can help you to fulfill God's command to go to his lost nation of Jewish people first. Now, many of us know Jewish people, whether it's a lawyer, a doctor, businessman, friend or neighbor, maybe even a Jewish family member that we want to reach. So call us today and we'll help you to get the gospel into their hands at 1-800-247-3051. You can also find Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook and receive a daily verse devotional from Tom Cantor. You can also send him a direct message by sending an email to tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Now remember, all of our messages are free and available for free listening and download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now remember, today's message and previous messages are available for free listening and free to download from our websites at friendshipwithgod.org and israelrestoration.org. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow as we start in Exodus chapter 3.